working. You know, it's, it's amazing when we look back and you can read the Bible and you can see the things that God did. But it's awesome to look around and see people that you know that God's doing miracles. He's still in the miracle working business today, y'all. He still is in that business today. And that's for you. Amen? All right, Trish, did you have anything you want to share? All right. If you've got your Bibles, lift them up this morning. Repeat after me. Say, this is my Bible. Every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's word. It's his truth transforming every part of my life. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Lisa, it's all right. Amen. Andy, I want to see you after service. He's not in trouble, okay? I just saw him, and I want to talk to you when we get done today. I needed to clarify that. I've had some of you guys say, Pastor wants to meet, or y'all get a call, Pastor wants to meet with you, and be like, what's wrong? Nothing's wrong. I just want to talk to you. I'm really excited about this message today. Um, I've been really, really excited to get to share it with you, and it's a one-off message before we start our new series, and we're talking about Moses Day. How many of you like Moses? Read Moses, Charlton Heston, you know, but, but we're going to talk a little bit about Moses Day, just actually one section of scripture in the amazing story of who Moses is. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, you can look at them, it's also in your notes, Exodus chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Then Moses said, what if they, the children of Israel... What if they will not believe me or listen to what I have to say? For they may say to me, the Lord has not appeared to you. The Lord said to him, what is in your hand? And Moses said, a staff. And then God said to Moses, throw it on the ground. Throw it on the ground. Let me give you some backstory here because I need to set this up so that we're all on the same page. Have any, have any of you ever felt inadequate before? Anybody? You felt like, and let me, let me just make sure we're all on the same page. You felt like what you were being asked to do, called to do, employed to do, married, whatever it was, you felt like you were not up to this task. You felt, <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to do this, is, is what that feeling is. And, and here's the thing, that's what we're talking about today. The, the title today of the sermon is, Am I Enough? And that's really what this whole section of Scripture Here between Moses talking with God, it's really what Moses is talking about. God, I'm not enough to do what you're asking me to do. And and there's a reason that he felt that way. See, the children of Israel, the Hebrew children, had been in captivity for hundreds of years to the Egyptians. And most of us know the story, you know, about the parting of the Red Sea and all those things. But the pre-story of that, they had been slaves. They had been in captivity to the Egyptians for hundreds of years. And it was brutal. It was brutal slavery. They're building the pyramids and doing everything else that they were doing. And and the Bible tells us they were crying out to God because of the oppression that they were under. It was not a fun experience for them. They did not wake up in the morning going, wow, I'm really glad I get to go do this today. It was horrible. And, And so Moses was born. God had heard the cry of his people. And Moses was born into this time period, and he was supposed to be dead. They were killing some Hebrew boys at this time, and he was supposed to be dead. And you remember the story? His mom made this little, little, little bitty ark and put him in the little bitty ark and put him down the river and floated it over to where one of the princesses of Egypt was. And she took him in, and she adopted him. And actually, Moses' mom came along to be the nursemaid. And he, his mom actually raised him, but he was raised in the palace. 
Moses, in effect, became royalty. He was adopted into Pharaoh, the king of Egypt's family. So he was raised, he was a Hebrew, but he was raised as a prince. And all that came along with that, wealth, power, had everything he wanted. People, if he wanted something, somebody got it for him. I mean, if he went somewhere, people bowed down. I mean, he was raised and educated in this system. So even though he was a Hebrew by birth, by, by his upbringing, he was an Egyptian prince. This was a huge thing. He was a rock star, okay? And, and he had everything that he wanted. But he saw the oppression and, and felt God's tugging on his heart that he was going to set his people free. But he got ahead of God. Anybody ever got ahead of God before? Well, Moses got ahead of God, and, and he went out one day when he was walking, and he saw a slaver, one of the Egyptian slavers, beating one of the Hebrews. And Moses got in a fight with the slaver and ended up killing him. And then the next day he was found out, or, or right thereafter he was found out. And so he's gone from being a prince to now he has to flee for his life. And, and so he literally is, is gone from being a being Egyptian, Egypt's most loved to Egypt's most wanted. And, and now he's running literally for his life. And he flees as far as he can to the backside of the desert in Midian, in the wilderness. And he's gotten what he feels as far as away from Egypt as he can get. But I want you to imagine that happened in a day. He went from being a prince to being nobody. Just like that. And everything he knows, everything he's been accustomed to, everything that he's been around, wealth, power, everything is gone. And he know if anybody recognizes me, I'm done. In a day. And so that's the backstory. And so now, here's what happens. He marries into a family, ends up becoming a shepherd. By the way, shepherd, the Bible tells us of sheep, they weren't even his sheep. They were his father-in-law's sheep. So he's become, he's gone from being a prince to being a caretaker. He's, he's gone from having people wait on him hand and foot to now he's walking around in the wilderness with a bunch of sheep that don't even belong to him. I mean, this is a massive change. And it wasn't just one year, it was 40 years. When God appeared to Moses in the burning bush, it was 40 years later. And so he's like 80 years old, and now he's out in the desert shepherding sheep that he doesn't own. And I really want you to hear that. He's, he's out here taking care of these sheep, and God speaks to him out of a burning bush and said, I've heard the cry of my children, and Moses, I'm sending you to go back and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Moses did what most of us would do. <laughs> me? Wait a minute. Not me, God. You don't understand, God. Maybe 40 years ago, I was kind of a little more qualified for this, but, but my life is a mess. I don't know if you've been looking, but I'm out in the middle of nowhere, broke, got nothing, on the run, hiding. And now you want me to go back to the place that I ran out of and go to the king and say, hey, let these folks go. They're going to kill me. 
But that's not even what he says. In, in, a, in effect, he did. But, but what he really began to say is, let me tell you, God, here's a list of all the things that are wrong with me, and while you shouldn't pick me to do this. And, it, and it's almost humorous, this list he goes down. I can't talk. Well, I mean, he just goes through a list. And I think it's amazing because God never really disagrees with him about his issues. He never really disagrees with him about his issues, but God's not worried about his issues. Kind of like the fella said, if you got issues, we got tissues. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that was, that was free. So for 40 years, Moses trades the palace for the wilderness and trades his life of royalty and privilege to become a shepherd because that's what he can do. What a change. What a change. But God was not done with Moses. In spite of everything that Moses had done, and you need to hear that, in spite of everything that he had done, God was not done with him. And God heard the children cry out, and he planned to deliver him. And here's the point. This is the first point on your notes. And this is a side point, but it's an important one. When God seeks to deliver people, he usually sends one of us. When God seeks to deliver people, he usually sends one of us. Point at your neighbor, said he's talking about you. Point at your other neighbor, said you too. Exodus 3, verse 10 and 11 says this. It's God talking to Moses. Therefore, come now, and I'm going to send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. Verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I? Everybody say, who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? Here's what Moses is effectively saying. You got the wrong guy. I'm not qualified. I'm not adequate to do this. And I would guess that most of us feel that way a lot of times when God calls us to do something. Because, see, we know us. And we look at God and say, God, how can you pick me to do this? How can you pick me to do anything? I'm, I mean, God, I wouldn't pick me, so why would you pick me? And you know everything. Why would you choose me after all that I've done, after everywhere I've been, after how I've rebelled from you? Why would you pick me to do something? And we could all say that. And most of you have, and some of you are right now. Me? So after all the talking, God finally cuts to the chase. And I love that about God. And, and if you look in the Old Testament and you look in the New Testament, especially I love in the New Testament when people would come to Jesus and they would ask him questions. Isn't it interesting that about, it seems like about half the time he answers their question with another question that doesn't seem to have anything to do with what they just asked? And here's why. Because God cuts to the chase. You may be asking one thing, but he knows what you really need. And that's what's going on here, is Moses gives God this long list of why he shouldn't go. And then God says something very interesting to him. Listen to this, Exodus 4, verse 2. The Lord said to Moses, this is him cutting to the chase, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? So, so picture, you know, he's got his shepherd stick, 
It's a little bigger than this one, I suspect. But anyway, this is just a representation. He's got a stick. And, and Moses is giving God his list of all the reasons why he shouldn't go, right? And then Moses, God just cuts to the chase and asks him a question that doesn't seem to have to do with anything. Moses, yes, sir? What's in your hand? My shepherd's staff, God. It's my shepherd's rod, my stick. Number one, look at your notes. Number one, Moses held his identity in his hand. Moses held his identity in his hand. See, a shepherd's stick typically is around six foot tall. I guess some have a hook, some don't. But it has a, it has a, it has a purpose. It's a tool of a shepherd. They carry these things for a purpose. They herd the sheep with them. They protect the sheep with them from anything that might come against them. They use it to climb up and down. It's a tool. It's a tool that they use. But it also represented a shepherd's job. Let me ask you a question. I'm going to throw out some things and you all answer the job that would go with it. A fireman's hat it belongs to a? A stethoscope belongs to a? Doctor or medical professional, right. A badge belongs to, right. And so these, these things represent the identity of somebody. And so a shepherd was identifiable a lot of times by the stick. It was a unique stick. And so this stick that Moses carried around represented his identity. That rod also represented all that Moses possessed. And Moses didn't even own the sheep that he was taking care of. The only thing that Moses owned was a stick. Here's the point. That rod was a constant reminder that he had never reached his full potential. You are nothing but a shepherd that keeps another man's flock. That stick reminded Moses that he was not enough, that he was inadequate. It was a constant reminder that he wasn't good enough. Forty years earlier, God had moved his heart to deliver Israel. Back then, Moses ran ahead of God and made a mistake. And because he did, he felt like he wasted his only opportunity to serve the Lord. Moses had come to believe that he was worthy of being no more than a shepherd. All I'm ever going to be, all I'm ever going to amount to is maybe good enough to shepherd another man's flock. How about you? How about you? Do you feel inadequate? Do you feel like what your past has done has labeled you and now you don't feel like you can move forward in life? Is that how you feel? Do you feel like maybe you've settled for less than what you were called to do, but you settled because you put yourself there? You deserve the stick, and therefore you carry. Look at number two. Moses not only held his identity in his hand, Moses also held his problem in his hand. When Moses heard the Lord's question, it must have stabbed him in his heart. What is that in your hand is the question. A staff is the answer. Moses must have remembered a time when his hand he held a scepter and not a stick. See, everywhere he went, it reminded him, you lean on this now, but there was a time in your life that people bowed down to you. There was a time when you, instead of a stick, you probably had a gold scepter that showed that you were a prince. And now this is all you've got. 
And so every morning when he got up to go to work, he grabbed his stick when he went outside. And his stick said, you're not good enough. That's what you deserve. Here's your stick. Have a nice day. And he leaned on it. He leaned on it. It was with him everywhere that he went. God was asking Moses to carefully consider the thing that he held in his hand. In Moses' life, the thing that he held, listen to me, held him. The thing that he held, held him. It had become so much a part of who he was that it became not only his identity, but it also became his problem. That rod represented all the problems in his life. That rod represented to Moses that his life was filled with vast potential, but now he was merely a has-been, washed up, nobody on the backside of the desert. Now I want to tell you something. People walk around like this all the time. We've decided that we deserve what we have because many of us have been told, you made your bed, you what? And that's how Moses was feeling. Dude, you deserve it. You ought to be glad you get to keep sheep and they didn't cut your head off. You're getting what you deserve. Anybody ever told you that? That's how Moses was feeling. So what's the answer? What is the answer? Because this is truth, y'all. This is baseline, bottom line, truth. And, And a lot of you are living in this right now. You're living in it right now. So what's the answer? Because I'm not going to give you a challenge without showing you the solution. And here's the solution. Number three, throw it down. Throw it down. And I hope you understand now, when you read this section of Scripture, God cuts to the chase and says, Moses, what's in your hand? In other words, Moses, we need to talk about your identity. Because what you see and what I see are two different things. And you're carrying this thing around, and you've identified yourself with a stick. And that's not how I see you. And that ought to make you feel really good, because God still saw the prince, even though he was on the backside of the desert. And the other thing that really encourages me about this is God didn't go find somebody else. He went and found Moses. And that goes for you, too. God has not given up on you Even if you've given up on yourself, God has not given up on you. There will come a time in your life that you will have to determine what truly defines who you are. Exodus 4 verse 2 says this, 2 and 3. The Lord said to him, what's in your hand? And he said, a staff. And God said, throw it on the ground. And I want you to tell you, you, it was symbolic as well as it was practical. Because God was saying, Moses, you're going to have to lay down who you think you are. And I would say the exact same thing to you today. You're going to have to lay it down. Because it doesn't define you. It does not define you. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone, who is anyone? Do what? Anyone is anyone, isn't it? So would you say you're an anyone? I'm really trying to help you all out here. It's very high level stuff. Okay? (laughs) 
Therefore, if anyone, which includes everybody, right? If anyone is in Christ, and remember the last few weeks we talked about all these baptisms, then when you get baptized into the body of Christ, you are in the body of Christ. In other words, you're part of God's family. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, listen to this, he or she is a new creation. Is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, which means look, look. All things have become new. What's interesting about that is who wrote this? The guy named Paul, who formerly was known as Saul. And guess what? He did some of the same stuff Moses did. He killed people too. Look at that. So do you think Paul understood what he was saying here? He's, uh, you can see this being a mirror of Moses' life here. Paul's saying, look, if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old things are gone. You're not that person anymore. All things. What does all things mean? So, so you've got a couple of statements here that you've got to understand. Anyone, all things, new. That's you. But it's the same point. You got to throw it down. You got to throw it down. You've got to choose. You've got to decide. See, Moses is saying to God, throw it down. And, and Moses had to yield or surrender his past to the Lord. But he also had to surrender his present. He also had to give up what he was leaning on right now and throw it all down. Because he yielded to the Lord, he was freed from the power over him, and he was free to use its power to do something amazing for God. And here's the point. Will you be defined by your past, or will you be defined by who God says you are? You know, one of the cool things about the story, and I think it's awesome because I think I'd have done the exact same thing, is Moses threw his stick down, and what happened? Became a snake. And Moses did exactly what I'd have done. He fled. If that would have been about me, it would have said, he fled and screamed like a girl. <laughs> you know, theologians say different things. It turned into a snake. Uh, one guy I was reading this week said it probably turned into a cobra because the Egyptians were big on cobras. <laughs> which would have, It wouldn't have mattered if it had been a grass snake. I was still, I'm out. <laughs> and then God said something really interesting to him. So lean down and pick it up. Of course, he probably had to find him. Because <laughs> he was like, I'm gone. I said, Lord, you know, I'll run back to Egypt. It's all good. He said, pick it up. And he picked it up by the tail. Came a stick again. Here's the point. When you give God your past, he will make something amazing out of it. If you'll give God your past, he will make something amazing out of it. And everybody in here has a story. Everybody in here has a past. But you have to decide, are you going to let it define who you are? Or are you going to throw it down? That's what God's saying, throw it down. And that's not just the bad stuff, that's also the good stuff. And let God have all of it. And don't let it define you anymore. You understand? It's time. 
know, God's called each of us to do amazing things. To be more than you could have ever imagined that you would be. I, I, I have to pinch myself sometimes that I get to do this. That I get to stand up here in front of you guys. And I'm so honored. Trish and I are both so honored. That I get to do this. I would have never in my wildest dream ever imagined that I would have been able to do this. But when you lay it all down, God will do amazing things with your life. Is it scary sometimes? Absolutely. But so are roller coasters. Sometimes you got to get a little scared to get a little excited. You know what I'm talking about? And I can promise you this. If you'll follow God's plan for your life, it will be exciting. But you got to lay it all down. Because some of you, your problem is, you don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter. You're walking around with your stick. This is all I deserve. And God is looking at you. He, his call, the gifts and calling are God with, are without reproach. In other words, when he calls you, he calls you. But I want to encourage you in this. Don't wait 40 years to surrender to him. Why not do it now? Why, why not throw it down now? Because you can. It's your choice. Amen? So I'm gonna, we're going to pray in a second. And you've got some soul searching to do. All the excuses are gone. God has removed all the excuses. If he can forgive Paul and he can forgive Moses, he can surely forgive you. Doesn't matter what you've done. His grace is enough. We sing about that. And it's true. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time that we can come together. And Lord, I thank you that your word is awesome. And it's so true and it's so practical. And Lord... We, we look at these great Bible characters and these people, and we realize they're just people. Some of them better than us, some of them worse, but they're all just people. And what's amazing is that you love them, and you love us the same. And yet, Jesus, we have this amazing promise. You came and you died for us, and you picked us. In spite of all of our spots, our rebellion, our past the good and the bad. You love us completely. And you died so that we could be free and so that we could live in victory. And you also died so that we could help other people. And so, Lord, I know today that there are people in this room that their past, they're having a hard time getting past their past. But I know They've seen clearly today that if they'll just lay it down, you'll use it. It's true. From the greatest saint to the worst sinner, he loves us all the same. And he loves you perfectly. He doesn't want you to live in sin because he doesn't want you want it to destroy your life. He wants you to be free. But you have to get to that place where you're willing to lay everything down. So here's what we're going to do today. If you're here, nobody looking around, search your heart. Are you your problem? Are you defining yourself because of what you've done? Or maybe even what's been done to you? And you're holding on to that thing. You're leaning on it. 
and you feel like you deserve what you've got. It's just not true. So if you're here today and that's you, and you want to lay all that down, you just want to throw it down at the cross and take that step to become the person that God's called you to be. If you, if you want to do that today, just slip your hand up so Pastor, that's me. here's what we're going to do. If you raised your hand or if you didn't raise your hand, but you know that's you, I want you to do something very brave. I want you to step out and I want you to come down here to the front. I'm going to pray with you. If you raised your hand or if you didn't, but you know you need to come down, this is your, this is your opportunity to do that. God's speaking to your heart and he's saying, come down. I'll pray this together. I want all of us to pray this together. This is good for all of us. I'll pray this together. Say, Lord Jesus, you know me. You know my past. You know what I've said. You know what I've done. And you know what's been done to me. So, Lord, today, the good and the bad, I lay it at your feet. Cover me. Make me the person you want me to be. In your name I pray. Amen. Isn't God good? And that's so true. And if you mean that, it doesn't matter if you're on the backside of the desert or if you're in the middle of a church. He's right there. Amen. Let's all stand this morning. There's a peace of God in this place right now. You know, when the Holy Spirit shows up somewhere, so many times when the Holy Spirit shows up somewhere, you know what follows Him? Peace. Storms stop. Sickness stops. Everything has to bow down to Him. Amen. And I want to say this, because I feel like God wants me to say this to you guys. God is blessing you to be a blessing to other people. God is blessing you because He wants to not only save your life, but He wants you to reach out to other people who are drowning. You're all lifeguards. You're all lifeguards. And your job is to love other people and point them to Jesus. Amen? It's your job. And that's an awesome thing. Father, I just thank you for this body. Lord, this family. Lord, I thank you that it's precious to you. Lord, I speak blessing over them. Lord, everywhere they go, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just shine in them and that you would be with them. Speak your love through them. Father, I pray that you would anoint their steps and bless them. Father, help us to be your hands and feet to a world that's dying and lost and hurting. Help us to love these people the way you love us so that they can see your love in our world. I thank you for that, Father. Help us to always lay it down. 
Can you use our lives? In Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. All right, well, I'm going to dismiss you. Y'all can spend some time with each other. If you want to come pray, you can do that. God bless you as you go.